All right, so maybe we were a little dramatic. Maybe I had a bad take. And I humbly ask, please accept my apology. I was wrong, I was dramatic, and I'm showy. But I was right. We're weird. We're a weird team. However, I think when it's all said and done, we've seen how good this team can be at full strength, right? And we've seen what this team can look like with third string quarterback and a lot of practice squad players just due to injuries, right? And that's something that I didn't really take into account when I made the last episode because, well, I don't know. I always feel like it's a cheap shot way out of a situation, right? To always say, oh, well, there was a bunch of injuries and whatnot, but the talent discrepancy from the first string to the second string to the third string, you can almost tell who belongs on which side, right? Who's a who, who's an everyday starter? Who's a fringe starter? And who's there just in case shit hits the fan the way that it did? Um, big props though to Skylar Thompson. Can we can we just talk about Skylar Thompson for a minute? Skylar Thompson, I think, might have just secured his spot as a backup for a while within our organization. Um, Did he do anything spectacular? No. Not really. However, the game in Buffalo... If Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle don't get as many drops, what happens, right? Because we saw what Josh Allen looks like, right? Otherwise, a perfect starter, right? Somebody that people would want for the next 10 years in their franchise. Somebody who already has incredible playoff success at just the age of 26, But we gave him the yips. He had a serious case of the yips playing us. And I think that was so fucking interesting to me. Right? Case in point, look at me. Right? I had us completely written off. I forgot how well and how close we keep it with the Bills every single time that we play. Records don't matter. And I think we, look, a delay of game. Mike McDaniel hitting the jewel on the sideline, right? We were a delay of game penalty. It was fourth and three, and then it went to fourth and eight. We were a delay of game penalty away from making it even closer than what it was, which I think shocked a lot of people myself included, when we went up, what, 17? No, when we were tied, 17 all. And then obviously the Bills kicked a field goal. 
right before the stroke of halftime. But no matter what, first quarter really aside, the defense stepped up and played great. The offense, given what we had left of an offense, right? Look, man, I think looking back at it, hearing your guys' input as well in the DMs and the comments and things like that, honestly, I think, yeah, we just ran out of gas. Not necessarily ran out of gas. We ran out of bodies down the stretch. You know, we are, look, this team is uber talented. We'll be back. Okay. I don't think current trends are going to hold up. And I think we'll have another playoff appearance sooner than six years at this point. We'll be all right. Okay. This offseason is going to be pretty... It should actually be kind of relaxed because, well, we don't have any more money to give anybody, nor do we have draft picks. Thanks. Thanks, Stephen Ross, for that one. But I think, right, it's too early to hit the panic button. You guys saw me hit the panic button. I was right about the fact that I knew that we'd lose, but... I didn't think that Miami was actually going to have a chance to win in Orchard Park in the final 10 minutes of a football game in January. So maybe I'm just shocked, right? Maybe I'm just shell-shocked. I don't know. But everything, and as the chips fell where they laid, the hay was in the barn. I heard that the other day. I still have no idea what that means, but I really want to incorporate that in my daily vocabulary. Right? The hay was in the barn. And I think, honestly, we shocked a lot of people. Yeah, we lost, and I understand there's no such thing as a moral victory. But you got to take that into account, right? We went in. Yes, a bunch of things happened to us in the regular season. But the postseason is a completely different animal. And I think it's really shown itself here in this wildcard weekend. We're going to get into all of the games. An honest reaction to all of them. But I think, honestly, this shocked a lot of people. Yeah, we lost. But we went up against a team that has been touted to go to the Super Bowl. For the last three years. Really ever since they got Stefan Diggs. Right. And we took him to the brink with a third string quarterback. And practice squad players. Say what you will. Right. About the injuries this. The injuries that. If we're just calling it for what it is. A third string quarterback. In his second ever NFL start. First ever postseason start. Took Super Bowl favorite, Super Bowl contender, Buffalo Bills, to the absolute brink. And that performance on Sunday. I'm cool with that being the final punctuation point 
on a otherwise kind of turbulent season, right? We had massive highs, massive lows, everything in between. But when it came down to it, the team stepped up. And I, last episode, I was saying that we don't have a team identity. I was very wrong. Okay, because with a third string quarterback, we took not only a division rival, but a Super Bowl contender to the final possession of the game. I'm going to call it inexperience on behalf of obviously Mike Daniel, the whole team. Look, we have a young team, right? We're kind of weird. We have good veterans in Tyreek and Teron Armstead, but we're also like super young. Are we the youngest team in the National Football League? No, by no stretch of the imagination. I want to say we're actually kind of down there, though. Like, we're a dumb young team. And I think we're finally starting to see production come out. Usually, here's where it comes around year four, year five. Right, Christian Wilkins has always been good, but he took it to another level this year. Jerome Baker, same thing, still keeping it going. Javon Holland. Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, right? There was a lot of names that were kind of frequent flyers here, I guess you could say, on the Finish It podcast. But once again, due to the acquisitions in key position battles, right? Defensive end. Really on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, we spent a lot of money on offense, though. Right. So unfortunately, we didn't get to see a lot of the names that we've called for a couple of years, couple of seasons. Right. And even when we did, you know, be able to to see them on the big screen. I don't know why I started to talk like Bill Cosby. That was weird. Right. Even when we saw them, it was in a very limited capacity. People like your Raekwon Davises. Right, we finally saw Jalen Phillips in just year two come out and have an absolute party. I'm actually very, very, very happy with how this season went. Um, because the season defined a lot of who we are. And something that I didn't really take into account in my last episode when I posted it was that culture isn't something that's just kind of born. Culture is something that's inbred. Right. It starts and it takes a long time, right, to really get established and to really gain some momentum and some track. And I think with Miami, yes, we have a lot of individual players, but what we saw was a really good team performance these last two weeks. And I didn't take that into account. Right. I didn't take. Right. I called it a lack of culture instead of a culture really emerging. So that's my bad. But coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the entire wild card weekend. And what a wild one it was. So starting off first to open up wild card weekend, it was the Seahawks and the 49ers. And um, Seattle played an amazing first half. Unfortunately, if you watch the game, I only caught about like the final quarter of it. They completely fell apart, right? They played a flawless game. And they were their own biggest enemy. 
right? They stood in their own way and lost. But a fantastic performance by the Seattle Seahawks. A fantastic season by the Seattle Seahawks. Nobody gave them a shot, right? Because we all thought, oh, this is a clear rebuild, right? This is a clear rebuild. Pete Carroll is just going to get some of the final pieces together. And when he finally rides away into the sunset, the guy who takes over is is going to be prepared, right? That didn't happen. The Seahawks played a season that I don't think any of us expected out of the Pacific Northwest, but so kudos and hats off to them. But we got to talk about the San Francisco 49ers. I didn't realize it. 11 games in a row they've gone without a loss, right? Everybody, yes, obviously, we know the whole Brock Purdy thing. Yes, we know that they're finally coming back to full strength injury-wise and health-wise with the return of Debo Samuel. They've got a great defense. San Francisco, I don't want to say that they've come out of nowhere, right? Because last season... And the year prior to that with San Fran, it was kind of similar to what we've got here in Miami. And you see, last episode, I almost said that Mike McDaniel is trying too hard to recreate what's going on in San Fran. And I think that would have been very unfair to both sides, right? Because San Fran has things that they're really good at, as well as issues that they struggle with. Right, Miami's the same way. Miami's roster makeup mimics a lot of what they do in San Fran. But once again, I failed to forget that Mike McDaniel came from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. Are we about to see the next Bill Belichick coaching tree? Right? From Kyle Shanahan. We'll find out. But this team is dangerous when they're healthy. They're dangerous when they're not healthy. San Fran looks like the most complete football team. It took them a little bit, right? Winners of 11 straight. The first half of the season kind of took them a little bit, obviously the last two years. We know that they've been plagued by injuries and various different things. But that team is one of the most well-constructed teams I think we've seen in the National Football League in a long time. So San Fran moves on. They play the winner in the NFC between the Giants and the Vikings. And oh my God. You see, I almost made an episode around halfway through the season where I would where I wanted to say fraud alert or potential fraud alert but I was like you know what let me just enjoy the fact that Miami is a couple of games above 500 for the first time in a long time right and I'm not talking like 2 and 0 or like 2 and 1 right like we had at 1.5 games above 500 I've never fucking seen that right the best I've seen is when we went 11 and 5 Barely, right? And I was just a wee tyke 
Okay? So I didn't understand the gravity of the situation. What the fuck was I even talking about? Oh, yeah. Fraud alert. Minnesota. Oh, look, I, I, I haven't watched enough Minnesota Vikings football to make a comment here. Um, the only thing that I'm going to say is that I'm just glad that the Giants finally figured it out. In the battle of first-year head coaches between Brian DeBull and Kevin O'Connell, KOC, right? Brian DeBull came away with a dub. And the Giants, same thing. They started out red hot this season. I think they started, what, 5-1? and one? Kind of lost their way a little bit. Came back into the playoffs and completely upset the Vikings. Which, with the little bit that I watched, the Vikings did not play defense. Okay, I know that beforehand the defensive coordinators say that they're going to let them go wild. Right, talking about the veterans on the defensive side. Right, that they were going to let them go wild and go crazy. But I guess go wild and go crazy. He meant, hey, we're just not going to play defense at all. So New York moves on. The Vikings are gone. The other game that happened in the wild card weekend we know was the Chargers and the Jaguars. What the fuck happened there? (laughs) A 27-point deficit. The Jaguars and Duval keep it alive. The only team in Florida left, by the way. Monday Night Football just happened. Right, we'll get into that in a minute. But Jacksonville, from the ugliest first half by Trevor Lawrence, I think he had four interceptions before he even had five completions. Played ugly. Played the ugliest brand of football. Right, played classic Jacksonville Jaguars football. But in non-traditional sense... They turned the corner and they came back. Who's at fault? Right? Is it a really good Jags team or does Brandon Staley just not know how to hold a lead? Um, Going back to the any given Sunday thing, right? Anybody can beat anybody. If you take the field, you have a chance to win, right? But Brandon Staley just cannot hold a lead can't manage a game I think every and not only that we've seen just we're not talking about just the NFL here I'm talking about all sports I don't know about you guys but I'm starting to get desensitized to a lot of this right come from behind incredible individual performance right across all of sports right because we saw Going back to Minnesota. What's up, Vikings? They come back and they hand Matt Ryan the biggest collapse in the regular season, right? When they came back and they beat the Colts. I think they were down 30 to nothing at halftime. Right? Then we see this with the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
it's kind of like, you know, at first it was incredible, right? It's kind of like when you tell a joke and you don't like, like you didn't say it loud enough. So like maybe a couple people in the vicinity were like, ha, look at this funny guy. Right. But that one fucking asshole heard you tell the joke and just repeated it, but like a lot louder and they get all the laughs. Right. That's kind of what I feel like these incredible comebacks are starting to really kind of feel like, right? Because we see a team come back from 30 and nothing, now to 27 and nothing, right? By the time that the news cycle hits, nobody really gives a shit anymore, right? But, but we'll still talk about the Miami motherfucking miracle because don't you goddamn forget it. We're the greatest goddamn team that's ever existed, right? But even individual performances, right? Never forget when Tua threw for the six touchdowns in week three this season. Donovan Mitchell's 71 points in the National Basketball Association, right? They got some coverage, yeah, for about two days. Now, I'm not saying, hey, let's never let up fanfare, right? We can never be excited for anything else. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't treat these incredible performances, whether team or individual, kind of just like run of the mill news. You know what I mean? Come like at five o'clock, find out where you can find the cheapest hot dog, right? After you hear like a bunch of this shit, right? Trying to look, I don't want to make anything more of what it is. It's becoming right. And I'm not a conspiracy guy, right? I'm not sitting here saying, oh, the NFL is clearly predetermined. It's sports entertainment. It's not actual sports. Nobody's arguing that. I'm just saying at this point, it's getting a little weird because it seems like every other night somebody is doing something that we've never seen before, right? Before Donovan Mitchell's 71 point performance, right? The third highest of all time in any regular season, right? Actually, I, I don't know. I know Wilt with 100, Kobe at 81. I'm pretty sure Wilt also had 75 a couple of times. Right? Whatever. 71-point performance. We haven't seen somebody score more than 70 since Devin Booker. And I want to say that was about... Shit, was that already like six to seven years ago? That's fucking nutty. Right? That's, that's fucking nutty. It seems like these like athletic superstars just kind of like we like to put on them like the age of zero when they're drafted because i don't know it just seems like devin booker's been in the league for fucking ever but he's actually really only been in the league for like seven or eight years but right before his 71 point performance donovan mitchell Luka Doncic did something that's never been done in the NBA's history with a 60-point triple-double. And once again, after two days, we all just kind of were like, okay, what's the next one, right? And I'm not saying that everybody's automatically already forgotten, you know, Luka's performance. I'm just saying there's there seems to be a lot of them, and they're making them not so special anymore. But the Jaguars come back 27 points down. 
Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars figure it out. Incredible play by them. Good for Doug Peterson. Right At halftime, Jaguar fans were calling back for Urban Meyer to come back. But Doug Peterson, they're doing something special down in Jacksonville too. I know once again in the mock draft episode this year, I gave him a lot of shit for taking Trayvon Walker first overall instead of Aiden Hutchinson or quite frankly anybody else. But Trayvon Walker's actually had a pretty solid year. Nothing compared to Aiden Hutchinson, right, of course, but still had a really good year. And that leads us to the one that I didn't want to talk about. The Cowboys and the Bucks. I don't want to talk about the Cowboys and the Bucks because I don't like either team. But here we are. Tom Brady finally loses. Brett Mayer, one of five from extra point, which is insane. That's the first time that's ever happened. Like, literally ever, right? So should we make fanfare for Brett Mayer? No, right? But is this the end of Tom? Is this finally... The end of Tom Brady. Um, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right? We saw that this man will literally divorce a supermodel if it means winning eight games in an NFL season. Right? This man gives no fox. Okay? Anything for the dub. Right? But Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys do move past the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in what was actually kind of, obviously you take the whole Brett Mayer thing out of it, the Cowboys actually looked dominant for the first time in about the last three to four weeks. Um, Not going to lie, the Cowboys actually looked kind of good. They did. So out of the few, out of the four NFC teams that are left, three are in the NFC East with the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Giants. Damn. That's fucking nuts. That's nutty. Right? But I don't think this is the end for Brady. I don't think he's going back to Tampa. I don't. I think Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians. (laughs) I think the Bucks possibly start a rebuild. Um, I mean, they have to, right? What else do they got? If Brady leaves, what do they do? Um... You got to have a rebuild going on at that point, right? It's too early in the offseason to say anything. We can just make predictions at this point. Um, And by the way, Super Bowl prediction. I've got the 49ers. And I've got the Chiefs. I do. 
I think Pat Mahomes finally gets the dub over Joe Burrow if they play this year, right, in these playoffs. I think they finally do. Oh, yeah, by the way, the Bengals beat the Ravens, by the way. I forgot. That was the other guy. I was like, I feel like I'm fucking missing a game. That was it. Joe Shiesty, right? I feel like Pat Mahomes finally gets the dub over Pat Shiesty. Pat Shiesty. Joe Shiesty. Jesus Christ. It is It is way too early in the morning to be recording this. Um, but yeah, I think the 49ers and the Chiefs. Or 49ers. <laughs> yeah, no, 49ers and the Chiefs. We're getting a rematch from the uh, from the 2020 Super Bowl, right? I think that'll happen, but speculation is always fun. If for some godforsaken reason, because we already know that he's going to, when Tom Brady comes back next season, where is he going to go? Okay, there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback. There's a lot of teams, right? The thing is, is Brady has nothing to prove. At this point, for an NFL franchise, is he still good? Yeah, he's also, what, 47, 48, right? By the time he inks, right, by the time, if he comes back, by the time he signs a contract that would be given to him, he could also be eligible for AARP and Medicaid, okay? Let that fucking shit sink in for a minute, right? That's, that's insane, Right, the long, right? Is that somebody who takes really good care of their body, or is that somebody who's a fucking psychopath, obsessed with the concept of winning? Probably a mixture of both, right? But because we already know Tom Brady's gonna come back, right? He didn't like the reception that he got the first time. He retired because we only talked about him for four days instead of five, right? So he came back. Dumped his supermodel wife, broke up his family to win eight games in Tampa Bay, Florida. Right? That is how obsessed this man is. You don't think he'll fucking come back? Come on. And depending on what happens in the offseason, honestly, and this is a very hot take. We are day one into the offseason for this point for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he's going to Las Vegas. I do. Him, Devontae Adams, anybody else that the Raiders can get. But the problem is, with the Raiders, they don't have any money. But could I see a trade working, right? Because Al, or Mark Davis, I think, yeah, because Al's gone, RIP. Mark Davis is saying that if there's not a trade package for Derek Carr then he's just going to be cut outright. And if I'm Tampa, do you trade Tom Brady for Derek Carr? The only reason why I ask that is because you can probably get the whole fucking farm for Tom Brady at this point, right? The guy's prime just doesn't fucking end. He's Jeff Bezos, right? Or... If you're Tampa, Tampa still has a championship level roster, right? On both sides of the ball. 
if you let Tom Brady walk, and if nobody finds a trade package for Derek Carr, because that contract is way too fucking big, let Brady walk away, go wherever the fuck he wants, sign Derek Carr to a significantly smaller deal than the one he's on now, right? There's a lot of disrespect towards Carr. He is a four-time pro bowler, okay? On what has been a shitty franchise since he's been there for the last fucking 10 years. I think they've had like, what, four winning seasons with Derek Carr? That's not on him, right? Look at how many head coaches they've had, right? Look at all this kind of shit. But if I'm the Bucks, I let Brady walk away. I let him retire. Sure, we get an imitation, right? In Derek Carr. No disrespect to Derek, but he's not Tom Brady level. Nobody is, right? He's on a level all of his own. Do the Bucks do what they did with Rich Gannon? No, Chris Sims. Hell yeah. Right? Bring him the fuck in. And just have him be a game manager. Right? There's a lot of... Right? I'm actually kind of more excited for the offseason than I am for everything that's gone on this season. Because, well, I haven't really watched a lot. It's been a fucking crazy year. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really all I've got. I can't really go too in-depth about... A lot of the teams because, well, I don't really know a lot about them. Um, but yeah, that's 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 really all I've got. Um, we thank you for tuning in wherever, however, and whenever you're watching or listening. Um, we love you. Make sure you hit that follow, subscribe, notification, whatever it is, whatever you teenagers say now. Um, to make sure that you're staying up to date on the pod. Um, we love having you here. Sorry I haven't been here a lot. Life has been fucking crazy and I can't do this full time. Um, we love all of you, right? And as always, God bless and go Miami Dolphins.